You may be busy doing something while you listen to this podcast, but you're never too busy to eat healthy if you eat Vite Ramen. This podcast is sponsored by Vite Ramen. Show support for a sponsor that supports Moore's Law is Dead at the link in the description. And if you do, make sure you use offer code BROKENSILICON. And you can also support Moore's Law is Dead if you need Windows keys or software at cdkeyoffer.com. If you go there, also use the code BROKENSILICON for 25% off Windows keys or Die Shrink for 3% off everything else on the website. All right, now let's get on with the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Beleaguered Tom, and today I am joined by my co-host, uh, Dan. I'm not clever enough to think of anything right now, so because <laughs> you're also beleaguered and exhausted. Yes, <laughs> I guess I don't know. I mean, next week, you know, we're going to be going on vacation with our family. This is a trip that was actually planned a long time ago, and now it's kind of snuck up on us because I think me and you are just, let's just say it. We're, we're both workaholics. There's nothing we can do about it. It is what it is. And so I think me and you tend to work extra hard right before a break, or at least I do. But I, I, a lot of that has to do with like making sure I'm ready to work when I come back, banking content while I'm out. But what do you also tend to work overtime right before a vacation like this? Uh, I mean, yeah, you usually have to. <laughs> Yeah, so I think any job that actually requires a lot from you. I shouldn't say any. There are some where it's a little bit just a stack of stuff and it's always there. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like especially with you doing research, you know, it, it's probably a similar thing, like making sure experiments are ready, that you're ready to work on them when you come back, you know. Yeah, there there's always a, a pile of crap I can do. <laughs> okay, so it's a little different maybe, but... So I guess this is just an FYI, you know, this was usually we record Sunday nights, sometimes on Mondays, if we can make it work. Um, but this is being recorded on June 1st, like in the middle of the night to be released a little early while we're out. And then we have another podcast with a guest that I think turned out excellently that will be coming out three to four days after that. And if there's somehow time for me to make a bankable video before I get on a plane, that'll be in the first half or middle of next week, or I guess when you're listening to this in a few days. Uh, but, you know, maybe, maybe not. Either way, there's definitely going to be a podcast and something else there for you guys or out and a die shrink. So, um, but I guess I'm just making sure you're, everyone listening knows this was recorded a little earlier than usual in case, you know, something is missed. But we actually do still have quite a decent amount to discuss today, even though we're having the cutoff of the news cycle early. Um, yeah, I guess let's just, I don't know, let's just get right into it. That I have nothing witty or clever to say or talk about before we get to the first story, and there weren't any corrections submitted. So let us now begin with story number one. Meteor Lake has 16 cores, kind of. So I'm first going to start by quoting from video cards here. They said, Intel has showcased its Meteor Lake CPU with 16 cores and 22 threads, according to what was shown on Windows Task Manager. And according to WCCF Tech, who was present for the demonstration that this is being pulled from, 
There will be six big cores, eight little cores, and two more little cores on the SoC die for Meteor Lake P mobile CPUs. This unusual uh, configuration refers to, yeah, okay, so I already said that part. And the CPU is idling at 0.37 gigahertz with a base clock of 3.1 gigahertz, featuring 1.6 megabytes of L1 cache, 18 megabytes of L2 cache, it's a ton, and 24 megabytes of L3. So, yeah, you know, this started making the rounds, I'd say, beginning of this week, you know, that mm -hmm. there seems to be two other cores on the SoC die, which is a reminder for everyone, you know, there's, there's a CPU tile, a GPU tile, an SoC tile, and I believe there is also an AI tile or something on there as well. And so, you know, this, this was a bit of a surprise, but I also did a leak this week, you know, leaking most, the biggest news was 40 core, you know, Arrow Lake, Panther Lake, Cougar Cove, and Beast Lake. But I did start it by touching on this Meteor Lake information. And basically what I would say is all of my Intel sources said the reason this wasn't really mentioned is these little cores, although they are technically Pressmont cores, that they, they don't really think of them as cores. They're in a lot of documentations, they're even referred to as hidden cores on the <laughs> SOC. And they're there for massive idle power savings. So I would say they weren't mentioned because you shouldn't think of these as really a major component to like Cinebench benchmarks. It seems like I'm not 100% sure, but also because it's probably an ace up their sleeve for saving energy. They didn't want AMD to know about and probably told as few employees as possible. So what? So when it's idling, it will just essentially use that those two cores that are on the uh, IO die or wherever it is. <laughs> Yeah, you got your IO tile, SOC tile, CPU tile, and graphics tile. One, two, three, four. And on the SOC tile in the middle, there is also the AI engine and these two hidden little cores. Okay. And to directly answer your question, or I guess to add on to something you might be wondering as well, I directly asked technically if Intel wanted to, you know, they have the GPU tile, CPU tile, SOC tile, and IO tile. Could they sell this? without the cpu tile and yes is what i was told oh <laughs> so i don't know exactly how that would work what that would suggest to me is there is and again forgive me you know if it comes out wrong here but this does seem to be a very well-guarded thing at intel the way i would put it is it seems like the cores on the soc tile are on paper pretty much capable of doing everything the other cores are but they're meant to take over deep background tasks, or when you're disabling the CPU tile. So again, and let's be honest, you know, adding two little cores to 14 cores total would do barely anything for increasing multi-threading performance. And I would, I would yeah. actually argue if I was programming for this, we wouldn't let you do that unless you're plugged into the wall. Um, but yeah, it, I, so I, I understand why like this didn't get out earlier because it sounds like it kind of functionally will still have, uh, why can't I do 14 cores? Yeah, not 16. So I think uh, so. I, yeah. Unfortunately, I can't 100% confirm that. But everyone I asked said they're meant to increase idle power savings. They're meant to help with managing chip to chip communications between the tiles and with the chipset because of how complicated this is. Nobody said, yeah, boost multi-threading another 5%. Yeah. So I, I mean, it, it's cool for mobile. And obviously, this is going to be a mobile CPU. So 
if they can have a super low powered C, uh, idling CPU, that's great for mobile. Even it's not great for performance. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that. It is interesting though. I think, yeah. um, and I guess on top of that, then instead of talking about it later in my recent video from this week, Intel video, I also confirmed that desktop meteor lakes canceled. It is, it's canceled now guys. Uh, and you know, seeing these two SOC cores, like it really, I think crystallized in me, like how I would describe what Meteor Lake is. Like if, if you wanted to really shorten it as much as possible, you would say Meteor Lake performance is in between Phoenix and AMD Strix, right? So it's in between the Zen 4 APU coming out now and the Zen 5 APU coming out in a year. Mm -hmm. But it really depends how you are thinking about performance. If you're thinking about like literally like multi-threading single threading performance you know integrated graphics performance it's really more of a phoenix competitor maybe you would even say phoenix killer because it's going to beat phoenix but i only think it's going to beat phoenix in an integrated graphics by like 10 to 20 percent and in cpu performance i think maybe at ultra low power it might win by more than this but i'm sure in higher tdps it, I, I think it's only going to win in cpu performance by like 10 to 20 percent so mm -hmm. it's like in some games, some apps, Phoenix may still win. Overall, it's 10 to 20% better. It's really not a Strix competitor than in raw performance. It's a Phoenix competitor, but it wins. But if you're talking about efficiency, I think there's a chance this could be as efficient as Strix or close. So yeah. again, efficiency close to Strix, raw performance closer to Phoenix, but it wins. Technically, it's in the middle, but depending on which part of it you obsess about, you might think of it as more of a competitor to one or the other, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, it sounds like it's gr great for efficiency, but I don't, I don't know where Intel is going to be next generation when it comes to laptops. Then, uh, when it comes to like the actual heavy hitter laptops, but <laughs> um, you mean like desktop replacement or like gaming yeah. laptops or yeah? Well, yeah, and you know, I also covered that in my video from this week. I think there's just no way around this, though. I can't really recommend Meteor Lake over Phoenix for integrated graphics performance. Um, even though I think it's going to be almost desktop 1650, like that, which is pretty much good enough. Because unfortunately, when I tested integrated graphics recently with a new Raptor Lake NUC I have, which is 96 execution units, I had the same driver download as Alchemist. And, you know, the same driver stack struggled to run Battlefield. And you know, like a, a fifth, maybe to a third of my games crashed instead of opening. And I, tr and I never just tried once. I would try multiple times, reinstall stuff. And I have to say that, like, guys, it's using the same integrated graphics Raptor Lake right now is as Tiger Lake from three years ago. They've had three years to make this thing work. It still doesn't. Anyone saying Alchemist will work better and better over time, they still haven't made Tiger Lake work after three years. So why would I believe them? And so when I look at Meteor Lake... Outside of the uh, being excited about its efficiency, one thing I'm going to watch with a lot of scrutiny, and I hope I can get a Meteor Lake NUC to test this or laptop, will its drivers actually work well with its graphics? Because it does not matter if it beats Phoenix in graphics by 10 to 20%. It will not matter if Arrow Lake beats 
Strix in graphics by whatever percent if a third of the games don't work. And Meteor Lake for me is going to be like, is this going to work? If not, I'm done paying attention to Intel's integrated graphics because I can't honestly recommend them to anyone if a third of the games don't work. Yeah, and honestly, just as far as Intel's strategy goes in total, like it kind of surprises me they if their drivers on integrated are still that bad that they like even thought that they could get their <laughs> their larger graphics cards to work. I, I mean, I, I guess I never realized just how much of a mess their drivers were in general, uh, well, even including the integrated. Well, you know, I, I had a Broadwell MacBook Air like a <laughs> I think a decade ago, basically, and that was the forty execution unit one when most had twenty, and it actually beat AMD's APUs to my memory. I was able to play Battlefield Four. On battery, I was able to play online Battlefield 4, 64 player on battery for hours. I was blown away. That was so cool to me. No, yeah, yeah. No game I launched on that didn't work. Every game worked. And remember, guys, I could install Windows back then on a MacBook, which I did. And and for what I saw from Ice Lake was the graphics worked. I mean, look, it wasn't amazing, but it was about as strong as an MX250 or something. And, uh, you know, again, it seemed to work. And just something seems to have happened with Tiger Lake and later where, like, I think Returnal doesn't work. Halo doesn't work. Battlefield doesn't work. I don't know. Or at least yeah. they don't work correctly. And it's just like, I, I swear they used to work, though. I don't know what's going on here. I mean, something clearly fell apart in the past five or so years <laughs> with yeah. their integrated. So, I don't know what, but. But well, we have more to talk about with this. I, I think actually now we should move on at a brisk pace to story number two. 40 core Arrow Lake Cougar Cove in Beast Lake leaked by Moore's Laws Dead. This was another one of those giant leak videos that came out of this channel, people. Um, I made a video this week then that confirmed the following things. I'm just going to go through it now. Arrow Lake is still on track to launch in quarter four of 2024 to laptop and LGA 1851 desktop. Uh, now the 8 plus 32 core tile that was previously reported by me and other people as being canceled. Is it progressing in development again. I can't 100% confirm they won't ax it again. I mean, let us remember what happened with Meteor Lake, where they had 8 plus 16, then 6 plus 16 briefly, and then it's just gone. Like, for all I know, this will be canceled again, or there's some 8 plus 24, some silly thing going on. I don't know. But at least right now, it seems like they are progressing with the development of this crazy powerful chip again and i think it's interesting because it's at the same time they're axing meteor lake so i think it's actually somewhat explainable it seemed like they were reducing in scope a lot of things and trying to keep everything on track and then at some point in the past couple of months they've decided axe the stuff that isn't going to go well and mm -hmm. boost the stuff that we have an advantage in and one of those is air lake and just as a reminder air lake is projected to offer a 30 to 40 percent higher single threading performance uplift over raptor lake um, a six plus eight Arrow Lake uh, test system against a six plus eight Meteor Lake system performed forty percent better in multi-threading at the same power. And remember, Meteor Lake may have almost double the efficiency of Raptor Lake. So that's crazy, crazy, crazy better efficiency than what we have now. And it beats it. I would project then that an eight plus thirty-two core uh, Arrow Lake chip on desktop will be 55 to 75 percent higher multi-threading performance than raptor lake as well which is nuts that which by the way if you're keeping track that should place it i'd say maybe 20 to 
40% faster than Zen 5 multi-threading. We'll have to see. Yeah. It's a little early, but it could be. And another thing I leaked is Arrow Lake has hard designs still in development. Was it one, two, three, four, five? So they have the 8 plus 32 at TSMC 3 nanometer, the 8 plus 16 on TSMC 3 nanometer. Those are for desktop. And then in a 6 plus 8 3 nanometer for laptop, to me, this would suggest TSMC 3 nanometer is more efficient than Intel 20A. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they have the 20A 6 plus 8 variant for desktop. Again, there you go. And then a 20A 2 plus 8 Arrow Lake uh, planned for laptop i3. So then they're taking that and they're going to use that for budget laptop chips. And uh, that, again, canceling Meteor Lake stuff, axing a lot of desktop graphics parts, but then making tons of Arrow Lake on two nodes. I think they're just planning to go for it late next year. They're saying, we're in a downturn now. We hope we won't be in a year. We've realized that we have a chance here to have a clean, maybe 20% or more performance win over AMD at everything. If we can do that, let's do that and just buy up all the capacity we can and try to retake the market. I mean, it's hard for me to think of how an 8 plus 32 core will perform for the average consumer because I think uh, I, I think that's too I think that's a lot of uh, little cores for what the average like gamer will need but I mean obviously that's going to have huge benefits to multi-threading performance um, regardless if it's that much stronger single threaded performance uh, I think everything will be fine with them but Either way, I mean, it's a really freaking <laughs> ambitious design. I just hope that those designs pay strong dividends to, like, you know, the average consumer. And this isn't all just mo- their designs aren't mostly like, I don't know, moving towards like a exascale mindset where they folk have their plans more focused on like uh, they're having a ton of little cores on all of their CPUs. Well, yeah, so that's the interesting thing, too. And we'll we'll get to Panther Lake and Beast Lake. But, but first, let's just talk about this now. One thing that I cautioned heavily in the video, because I was like, okay, so I'm confirming crazy higher performance per core. I'm con- And I'm confirming in- incredible efficiency. And that now it has more cores than a lot of people were expecting recently. I, I said this in the video. I'm sure at this point, there's already people chanting AMD doomed. But... Mm-hmm. Is there a chance Intel is betting on a design that's built to win today's battles, not tomorrow's? That's a real concern I have for a few reasons. Number one, look, Zen 5 is going to be 25 to 35% stronger than what they have now. That, once you add X3D, that places it pretty close, I think, if it pans out well to Arrow Lake and gaming. Uh, If that's the case... I mean, does anyone need more than 16 cores? Like, AMD can sell. It, it's one 6-nanometer die and two 4-nanometer dies against an Arrow Lake chip that has a massive 3-nanometer die and then at least four other tiles. Think about how much more expensive that is. If if we have a $1,000, you know, Arrow Lake chip here that wins in gaming by 10% and multi-threading by, like, 30%, and then we have an AMD chip that's almost half the cost, it's almost like, about the same gaming... I think more people are going to choose that one for gaming. And then at a certain point, AMD could almost try to make Zen 5 Threadripper compete with Arrow like at that price. Like, is there a chance no one really needs that many little cores and it'll cost too much? Uh, I, I think possibly. Like, this 40 core thing almost doesn't sound like 
a like a uh, consumer desktop thing. It sounds verging on to some type of HEDT t- type thing instead, but mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I, I I'm just worried that. F- 32 small cores isn't going to give that much to people and it's just going to end up using a lot of energy mm-hmm. or not using a lot of energy because they're more efficient than uh, the Lion Cove cores, but wasting energy, I should say. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's hard for me. And another thing to think about is we keep talking about AI now. Like, is there a chance in the future people are going to be like, give me 12 big cores and just an AI engine, anything that requires a ton of parallelized, you know, computing. I'm just going to use the GPU for that and use the bpu or ai engine for everything else why do i need all these little cores why isn't this it's becoming a gpu yeah i I mean yes i think we made that observation a while ago cpus are getting closer to just being gpus at this point but um, yeah i i mean the thing with ai engines is it's it's not clear exactly how they're going to all end up being used yet i think they're going to become more important over time as everybody puts them into their design so obviously they're going to be more utilized once it's a, a bit more mature, but mm-hmm. uh, I think it remains to be seen how big of an impact they'll have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I th- that's just something to think about. You know, is anyone who you know, just keep in mind, everybody. Zen Five comes out first. Zen Five will be cheaper to make. If this were to get delayed, it's more of a Zen Six competitor. I, I think Panther Lake is expected to compete very well with it, but but if Panther Lake comes out way after Zen Six, it's just I still think it's far too early to say AMD screwed. But I don't think it's actually too early to say if this does come out in eight plus thirty two, anywhere remotely close to Zen Five, Intel does win performance. So this isn't like mm-hmm. Rapture Lake versus Zen Four. It looks like they're going to win. Yeah, I, I, uh, I mean, I would be very surprised if this didn't beat. Zen 5, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to see, though. It's still a little too early to be sure. Um, also, it seems like standard Arrow Lake is going from 320 execution units um, in the iGPU tile to 192. So you know what? I'm looking at a Meteor Lake diagram right now. I think the graphics tile is next to the CPU tile, isn't it? Or let me see it in, in a new diagram of it. GPU, S, C, uh, no, the C... I guess we don't know for sure if it'll be rearranged. Yeah, but I, I guess what I was going to suggest is, uh, are they going to make the GPU tile smaller to fit more CPU cores? I guess, I don't know. Or is that what's actually going on here? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think it's worth pointing out, though. 192 execution units. You know, when I when I leaked, um, when I did my last big Intel leak, and I saw three, and I reconfirmed that there seemed to be a 320 execution unit model it didn't seem like that was going to beat Strix Halo, but it seemed like it might confer compete with the middle of Strix Halo. Not anymore. This is not going to yeah. be close. At this point, then you're looking at something that beats Strix Point, not coming close to Strix Halo. I guess I'll just point that out as well. Yeah. Um, all right. So moving forward with this leak, though, um, I think we covered everything we want to say about Arrow Lake. Then there's Panther Lake. Now, this one's interesting. You know, the original thumbnail for this video was going to be arrows killing a panther <laughs> <laughs> because it seemed to me like they were boosting Arrow Lake and just canceling Panther Lake, just betting everything on 2024. But what I've heard is here's the story basically. What I'm told is the original Panther Cove architecture they were going to use, which things get swapped out all the time, people. Um, and there are side designs and competing design teams. 
it came back with a less than 10% IPC increase in the simulations. And they were hoping for 20 or 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, they does, they look into what could boost performance, how they could optimize their designs. And then they design it and they put it into an FPGA simulation. And they're like, we thought this is how physics would react. Will it? And then <laughs> sometimes it comes back. Nope. That's what happened with Redwood Cove. Redwood Cove Plus seems to be a good IPC increase. Redwood Cove seems to be 5 to 10% weaker than they were hoping it would be. And that's unfortunate. But the same thing happened with Panther Lake. And it sounded like they were going to pull a Raptor Lake Meteor Lake situation on desktop where they go, all right, well, Arrow Lake's better than expected. We'll just do a refresh and we'll cancel Panther Lake. And apparently, I'm told there was a ton of pushback in engineering. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is ridiculous. We cannot cancel Panther Lake. A lot of the other stuff in the overall design works well. We just need a better core. And there's something that's been worked on called Cougar Cove, which they're either pulling in for that or pulling it up for that. It's so, also a new TLC show, Cougar Cove. I, I was going to say, or HBO perhaps, <laughs> or or Netflix. Certainly could be a Netflix show, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean... So now it's basically back to the performance estimates. I was told, though, you know, another big single threading increase and another multi-threading increase. And, uh, you know, so 30 to 40 percent higher single threading, 15 to 20 percent higher multi-threading, still 8 plus 32. And I would say the fact that Panther Lake is firmly 8 plus 32 tells us that Arrow Lake is still very likely going to be that. It seems like they're going to hold back on doing it, but now they want to have them both have that much uh, performance. So I, I don't know. That's supposed to come out end of 2025, supposedly one year later. Again, I think, I think one of these will end up being delayed, but we'll see. But what do you think about Panther Lake? I, I, I mean, it's if they hit those performance goals, sounds great. If <laughs> I, I just have fewer thoughts on something that's that far out, that seems like it's pretty much completely an iteration on Arrow Lake and less. Less of a uh, departure in design like Arrow Lake will be versus Raptor Lake and Alder Lake. Mm -hmm. Jessie here loves sticks, but it definitely wouldn't be healthy if I just let her chow down on them all the time as much as she would like to. The same is usually true for reasonably priced instant meals for humans. It's easy to feel stuck looking for something that's quick to cook, tasty, healthy, and cheap all at the same time. Well, unless you consider... Vite Ramen. This piece of content is sponsored by Vite Ramen. Vite Ramen is a healthy, tasty, and shelf-stable food crafted by an American startup that offers a ton of options for eating healthy, like their classic packages that make it easy for you to add protein and other ingredients of your choice to make a complete hearty meal, or their Ramen Go packages that offer a healthy, microwavable option for those who truly only have a 15-minute lunch break, whether at the office or at home. Click on the link in the description and use the offer code BROKENSILICON to save 10% on a variety of different products, including special bundles just for Moore's Laws Dead fans, raw nudes if you want to make up your own recipes, and other food products, cooking utensils, and more. And when you order this spring, know that Vite just shut down for three months and relaunched their entire operation to improve speed, customer service, and just to improve things in the back end so they can keep up with how popular their product has become. Supporting them helps support me. And even just clicking on the link below makes a big difference. But I really do like their product and I recommend it. So if you're hungry for something that's healthy, cheap, and easy to make, check out Vite Ramen and use offer code BROKENSILICON today. Um, And then 
After that, there was also Beast Lake, which I did a double take and said, is that really what they're going to call it? Because that just seems hilarious to me. But no, there, there's apparently uh, a few designs kicking around under the Beast Lake uh, label. It's part of the Royal Core family, I'm told. Uh, and see, because like Royal, there's all these things in Royal Core that are going on with trying to drive for by the end of Royal Core, they, they basically want to double IPC over like Alder Lake or something. Mm-hmm. And Arrow Lake, Panther Lake, and Beast Lake are all, and Lunar Lake too, are all steps to get to that final 100% in a few years, uh, as outlined by Jim Keller, kind of. But that's basically what's going on. It seems like, and I've always heard that there was like a mega core they were working on. That sounds like that's what Beast Lake is. Uh, I don't have an IPC estimate, but there was one design that said it was like 10 big core, extra big cores, and one of the cores is extra beefed up over the others. And then there's another design that is just fully like massive die size cores and there's four of them plus 32 little cores <laughs> and that seems to be the lead design but i don't know what you think about that i without knowing an exact ipc estimate it's hard for me to really say anything but it kind of sounds like this is either such high single threading that they think only four big cores will be enough for people or this is like a side design for specific customers that sounds like a the the second thing you said to me but like that sounds like a side design but i mean i guess we'll see <laughs> yeah or who i mean who knows you know when it says just 10 extra big cores that makes me go maybe it's for like specific professional workloads mm-hmm. and then this is their answer to x3d oh i guess that could be the case yeah that might you know that might like, make sense although it's just tons of cash huge die size cores and they're like here's our seven gigahertz crazy ipc monster for gamers eh, I, I i mean if it clock if it clocks insanely high maybe <laughs> that that would be a viable design versus eight cores mm-hmm. but you know Outside of that, I'm not... What do you overall think about all of this, though? It all sounds very impressive. To be clear to everyone, I think Zen 6 sounds... I don't have a leak yet for it. Well, I guess I've already leaked some details, but from what I'm hearing about Zen 6, it's going to be a massive performance uplift, too. So I wouldn't doubt that they have a competitor to Panther. Like, kind of seems like Intel's a little ahead, though, if they can get these out on time. But well, what, the, the, what's the your two, feeling on what their strategy is? The two things that like worry me with Intel are... One, as you alluded to, they tend to not get anything out on time anymore. So who knows if Q4 2024 means Q2 2025 or something at, at that point. I don't know. Zen 5 will probably have deflated it uh, or like a lot. And then, you know, that same issue going onward into the future with their next generations. And then the other thing is these just sound really big, complicated and expensive so you might have a weird situation where Intel firmly takes the performance crown again o- over uh, AMD. But if AMD is able to maintain 16 cores with like 20, 30% better single threading performance year, uh, each generation, uh, sure, maybe they are 10, maybe 15% behind Intel at at 1080p or something but if they're half the price i think most people would go with half the price let's keep in mind uh, even though it's going to be much more efficient technically than arrow uh than all uh, raptor lake uh, it kind of to me sounds like 
Panther Lake and Arrow Lake are still aiming for a 300 to 350 watt power consumption on desktop. And so into AMD could still make the argument, hey, this 8950 X3D, it's half the price, uses 170 watts, theirs uses 350 watts. Yeah, it's stronger, but it's using double the energy. I hope it is. Yeah, and then the other possibility is maybe these are more marketed as like a pseudo HEDT thing. And maybe there are designs that only have 16 or 8 or something. Uh, well, there are. Cores. Uh, and if that's paired with 8 uh, big core, or yeah, I'll just say 8 big cores because we're talking about multiple architectures. Uh, and then if those are like paired with 8 big cores, I think that would be a great gaming CPU, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess, I guess we do have to remember this. Right now, what I can technically report is they are uh, they have unhalted the development of the <laughs> 8 plus 32 Arrow Lake design. It's on TSMC 3 nanometer. I guess I haven't confirmed how many of them they plan to make. I think me and you already thought the 8 plus 16 design was, yeah, probably going to be around Zen 5 performance, maybe slightly better. Or maybe like, you know, again, pretty much similar in gaming, maybe 10% better in multi-threading, uh, you know, pr- probably slightly better or something. I guess there's nothing stopping Intel from saying, hey, here's our $650 8 plus 16. And that's like, we're only only 5% of the production is that top chip, but we made it. So you shut up and we won. Mm-hmm. There's a chance that's what's going on. And I guess... Only Intel really knows how much design time this is using. And and again, you know, maybe part of this is also so they can take that 8 plus 32 design and put it on their HEDT platform with extra I.O. or something with a different because, you know, it's a tiled architecture. For all I know, they can put that on there. They can use a different I.O. die on the uh, HEDT platform. And this is what people might also use for that. It's certainly possible that's the plan. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily bad, but, it, it you know, I don't know. Again, it, it does make you wonder how much design, re, how many design resources are these using? Is this really for anybody besides bragging rights? Um, but only Intel truly knows. I, I really think that's a real concern here. Yeah. The, the final concern I would say is if they really are going to make a lot of the top one and a lot of all of them on both Intel and TSMC, they better hope they market that well because, yeah, I think they're assuming the downturn in tech will be over in a year. What if it's not? Well, if and they, they just bought all this up, <laughs> if their answer is, I, I don't know if it, Intel would be dumb enough to, I guess I don't know how much this will cost, but buy a ton of capacity at TSMC to make a ton of I, like 800 or $900 CPUs that no one will buy because mm-hmm. that sounds insane to me, but uh, you never know. The tech companies seem kind of disconnected from reality in a lot of ways right now. I, and a year and a half from now is still a year and a half from now. So there's a lot of time for the market to change still. But I don't know how much it's going to change. I think a lot of people have realized they don't need to buy this new stuff all the time. In the Even if it's a lot better, they don't necessarily need it. Yeah. In the two ensuing years that we've had where everything's been too expensive, a lot of people are just like, oh, Maybe it was dumb for me to buy this new crap all the time anyways. (laughs) That's a good point, too, is prices went up and people were like, I'm just not paying that much. I wonder how how many people like did that for two years. And then now they're here and they're like, 
I seem to be alive. I'm fine. Uh, I don't need to buy this and my games. I can still play them. People with eight gigabytes are running into issues, but not everyone has eight gigabytes and everyone plays the newest games. Not everyone's gaming above 1080p. There's, there might be a lot of people going, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, my, uh, Zen two system still working. My whatever, you know, GPU is still working fine. Um, and and I do think that's something we're going to find out by the end of this year though. Oh, oh, obviously, but it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. Like how much, even if stuff is cheaper and a lot better, do people go, I just think I don't care anymore until I need to upgrade. And that's something until, you know, it's a, it is a gamble what they're doing here. If they do buy all this capacity and stuff much more than it would be for AMD. If, you know, Granite Ridge doesn't sell on AM5, we'll use the chiplets for Epic and AMD doesn't really care. So yeah, that's worth pointing out as well. But um, all right, I think that is enough of that. Let us now move on to story number three, the RTX 4060 Ti's horrific sales numbers and final thoughts on recent GPU releases. So I did do a video on this. It did above average. You know, I recommend everyone check it out. You know, like, early sales information for the 4060 Ti and ARC 7600. The gist of it is that the 4060 Ti is maybe the worst selling GPU in modern history, and the 7600 is selling okay. Depending on how you couch it, it's not lighting the world on fire, but AMD definitely was worried it would sell worse than it did, and it's selling well enough that the relatively small amount that they prepared for this launch, which I believe globally was between like 80 and 100,000. And you remember, usually they would have like 100 to 200,000 for one of these launches. So it's not like half as much as usual, but it's a little light. It's selling out in some regions, not selling out in others. And it's selling about as well as most launches used to five years ago. And AMD's pretty happy with that when they look at their competition right now. Um, But, and uh, I guess the only thing I'll add to that is I have... I didn't put a leak slide together for this video, but I did receive more feedback from people at AMD, NVIDIA, and at um, retailers. And yeah, it's pretty conclusive. And like when I say AMD's happy, like I'm saying people told me they're happy with the sales, uh, much more happy than they were at the 7900 XT sales, by the way, if it puts things into context for people. And that NVIDIA doesn't know what to do with these cards. So <laughs> I, I was guess, I, you know, technically we have performance information and basically knew it was going to happen with these launches a couple weeks ago but we've got a lot of reader mails to get through before i get to them i just thought we'd spend a second here to say what are your final thoughts on the 4060 ti and 7600 dan the thing we won't stop talking about in every broken silicon it seems for three months um the 7600 is fine i think the more you look the more i've looked at it and thought about it, it i think the idea that the 7600 where it's priced currently i kind of feel like is just there to clear the channel of uh remaining now 6700 is navi 23 correct or is it navi 22 6700 is 22 okay uh i i feel like it's kind of just there to clear the rest of like navi 22 navi 23 that's still in like out there because i think at where they're currently priced the 6700 is a slightly better deal than the 7600 and Mm -hmm. then maybe once that sells out the 7600 will drift more towards 250 something like that and then i think the 4060 ti is just outright a dumb price 
it should probably be at least fifty dollars cheaper, maybe eighty dollars cheaper, mm-hmm. uh, based on uh, where everything else in is at, at the market right now. Uh, and yeah, Gil, I know one's buying the forty sixty Ti. It, it's it's just eight gigabytes for the price they're asking is it's too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I one thing I definitely want to uh touch on here that I was gonna touch on in another piece of content and then another and another, and all my videos have been more than long enough, and I'm like, not really worth touching on. Let's not talk about it. But I do think now is a good time to talk about is look, I want to be clear. The sixty the seventy six hundred is not exciting. I don't think it really would have been exciting at any price, though. Do you agree? Like, there's um, it's an eight gigabyte GPU in twenty twenty three. Can un, it be unless, exciting? I guess at one fifty, but come on. Unless uh, you're doing something like adding way more RAM capacity or like massively increasing efficiency with from one generation to the next, I just think in general, mid range to low end cards are kind of inherently not that exciting because like Mm -hmm. it's a 6700 with eight gigs of ram that that's what a 7600 is yeah (laughs) like and it is and and i know there's some people disputing that but i like looked at almost no one's benchmarked the 6700 i looked at tech yes city it it, it totally beats the 6700 in some games it's it's a 6708 gigabyte that's what it is it is a little stronger than a 6650 xt then it's yeah 6650 xt like five to ten stronger that places it at 6700 performance. Yeah, the the only thing that would make it exciting is if they did something crazy like launch it for $200. But <laughs> Right. But even then is it that exciting? I, I think uh, yeah, it, uh, you I think you would have a lot of game people that are on 3 4-year-old cards getting that now. But that's mm-hmm. about that, that's who it's for. But you know, it, it's funny, you know, in the in the uh, you know, AMD VRAM video uh, where I said, you know what? I've noticed these companies make some changes after I make a big holler about it. I'm going to make a holler about this and see if they respond. I said, if it's AMD, if you price this above 300, it will not sell a card. If you price it below 280, it will sell all right. It's selling all right. I was right. They listened. Um, but, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people that are like, well, if it's 280, it'll be okay. And then it was 270, and they're like, well, now it should be 250. I- I'm sorry. I think if they made it 250, a lot of people would have been like, well, now it should be 230. No price makes this impressive unless it's 200 or less. It was never going to be. It's not to mm-hmm. say that I think it's great, but I, I don't know. I think I think some. I think with any low end card, we need a reality check a little bit in our expectations because they're just not going to be that. We're not going to jump up and down for them. No, and. Yeah, then the, honestly, the 4060 Ti just got me thinking about the 4060 a little bit. And the, I feel like the 4060 is just going to be a bloodbath when that comes out. <laughs> oh, I think it depends. You know, I think, I, I think if it's $300 and it, 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 from what I hear, it trades blows with the 7600, might slightly beat it. You know, if it slightly beats it for 300 and has all of these features, I think it might do okay-ish long-term, but still have a bad day one launch. Like, just over time, people go into a store and go, oh, 4060, only 290, and buy it. You know, I think that over time will sell because it's called an NVIDIA 60. Um, But, you know, I don't know. It, It depends if the 7600, by the time this comes out, 
is 250 like we've said we think it could be it's in two months guys um or at least over a month yeah i don't know it might also face plant as well especially when you consider like i just took new egg the 6700 xd is almost 300 now uh, guys none of these cards buy the 6700 xd for 300 QH Freddy writes in and he asks, do you think both versions of the 4060 Ti would have been very well received at $50 less each or would the 16 gigabyte one still be at too high of a price and it would have gotten bad reviews? So 350 and 450. Do you think that would have made all the difference? I think if it had gotten a 350, I think reviews would have been luke more lukewarm and less negative but i don't think it would have been super well received it's still only 25 percent better than the 7600 for over 30 percent more yeah and i think 330 is where people would have probably had similar reviews to the 7600 which is to say lukewarm to slightly positive depending on if you go to the more mainstream review websites yeah and then the 16 gigabyte variant at 450 i don't know i, I don't know how much more you think that should be i i think like $70 more than the 8 gigabyte variant makes kind of makes sense. I think 450 and 350 would have made a difference, but to answer QH Freddy's question, I think t- the real question he's probably ask wants to know is where do you think it would have been accepted? I I I think it should have been called the 4060 and it should have been 320 and then there should have been a 16 gigabyte version with the full die announced, so maybe only 5 to 10% better for 400 and I think that would have been well received. Look, it would have been yeah. Another 5% performance on top. Okay, so now it's pretty firmly 3070 performance with 16 gigabytes for $400 with the latest DLSS features. I would have actually recommended that. I wouldn't have loved it. It wouldn't have been a huge improvement over what we could get a 6800 for recently, but it would be the card I'd be recommending. At 500, no. The the 4060 Ti 16 gigabyte is in a weird place because I feel like for... It's just... For the level of performance you're getting, it's just not worth $500. But I don't think (laughs) cards that are trying to be mid-range need to have more than 8 gigabytes of RAM (laughs) Mm -hmm. at this point. So it's just in this really weird place. That's why it's like, honestly, it just you need to remove more than 50 bucks and call it the 4060 is what we really think. Um, and, and you know, so I just want to remind people, the reason the 4060 Ti is selling God awful is because NVIDIA just launched a card, the same amount of Ram at the same amount of performance at the same price as what they launched a few years ago. That's why it doesn't, it, 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 what AMD just did is launch a card that is comparable really to the 6600. It is a smaller die size, but it's not cut down. It is not the 6650 XT, it is comparable to the 6600, and they launched it in kind of in line with street pricing, not with the previous gen. And that's actually how things used to work, Dan, like used mm-hmm. to be that the newest generation was pretty much priced in line with street pricing, but there was a small premium because it was new, and then it would slightly go down in price over the months it comes out. And I put this, I point this out because I want to bring up the R, the HD7770. The HD7770 launched for 160. The 6850 was a little stronger and it was 135. The 6870 was decently stronger and it was 155. And yet the 7770 got good reviews because they were like, well, you know, it's a little more expensive, but it's more efficient than the previous gen. I I just want to point this out. I'm not defending the 7600, but I am saying 
Guys, the way things used to work is the new generation comes out, they try to price it in line with street pricing, but it usually commands a slight premium because it's the newest generation. I, I just think we're so angry at what's happened to GPU pricing in some segments that we may have missed that this is actually how most launches looked like a decade ago. Yeah, I, I mean, I do just, I, I think part of it is just people are frustrated and there's just, you're you're also talking about cards releasing for 150 and i think part of it is people are fr- just a frustrated. decade ago just for inflation yeah i know people are just frustrated that those don't exist anymore though mm-hmm. yeah I'm for sure there's some of that there um but you know and even the 7770 had a gigabyte of ram that's not exactly that different to now with eight gigabytes in that mm-hmm. year um but you know let, let me bring up this question then as well which Freddie writes in again and asks, do you think people are overestimating how much it costs to make an eight gigabyte 128-bit GPU versus a 16 gigabyte one? Um, oh, it depends what you mean. No, I, it's $10 a gigabyte at most, and it's probably just $7. And in fact, it, it's only because they have to clamshell it. Any of these designs like the, you know, you know I'm trying to think like, Anything like the 4070 where they don't need a clamshell to go to a higher, would they go to a higher capacity? Let me think. Yeah, they would. So they even using clamshells, they found a way to do that on a $400 PS4. Um, yeah. No, <laughs> I, I think, um, do I think people are overestimating how much it costs? I don't know if there's YouTube channels out there right now saying it would cost $100. It doesn't. It costs them like 60, 30 to 60 bucks to add it. And so if they add, 60 they're probably about at the same margins that's why i think the bra- the big brain move here which um qh freddy writes and he says with how bad the performance of the N- navi 33 is do you think a 16 gigabyte card would be pointless no it's selling well qh freddy i know i've noticed him in the discord hates it uh but guess what it's selling oh it's actually not selling bad so a lot of people noticed this is priced in line with how things used to work a decade ago and let's call a spade a spade here this is 2080 performance. This is, you know, which is funny to think about. Yeah. Um, you know, this is all, yeah, so this is just below 1080 Ti performance. Like in 1080p, of course, high resolutions, it's slower. Giving that 16 gigabytes is not pointless if they could do it for 330. I think it'd absolutely sell. Yeah, it depends. I mean, I, I think 330 is cutting it close for what they would do. I, I, I would guess something more like 350, unless... I you think know. even 350, there's a there's a place for this card. Yeah, I I I I think they would price it like 70 bucks above whatever the eight gigabyte model is. Yeah, at the point in time they would re- would release it. Um, I don't know whatever man writes and he says hello Tom and Dan. Navi 31 supposedly had a significant silicon problem. Well, it did. It's obvious they literally announced different performance than it ended up being, which prevents it from achieving its advertised performance targets. But what's up with Navi 33? Before the launch of the newest generation, your leak suggested it would be close to a 6900 series in 1080p. Why does it fall so short? Well, this has been beaten to death, this conversation, to be honest, guys. There were alternative designs for Navi 33. This is confirmed by Angstronomics. There was a Navi 33 design that had chiplets in addition to a monolithic one. Some of these designs had, I think it was like 10% more compute units, more infinity cache. Right there, you had 20% performance. And then consider 
It just seems like RDNA 3, including Phoenix, is about 20% weaker than intended. Everyone I asked, like I've asked some contacts, you know, Phoenix is only like what, 30, 20 to 30% better than Rembrandt. Isn't that way short of what some documents that were circulating a year and a half ago showed? Everyone just says, I don't know, RDNA 3 failed to hit the <laughs> performance targets. Obviously, so yeah. when you account for higher spec designs, which this is smaller than I expected them to go with, uh, which, you know, there's a lesson I learned from that. Maybe just don't leak things before you're, before it's decided. Um, and, you know, when you consider RDNA 3 is 20% weaker across the board per compute unit than it was supposed to be, 1.2 times 1.2, that's the difference right there, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, go watch the videos about what happened to RDNA 3 performance. <laughs> They're out there, man. Um, Independent George writes in and asks, so how are AIBs and retailers feeling right now? Retailers, especially since their margin is so low to begin with, what does the future hold for AIB partners? We're already getting squeezed. What are they saying about our EVGA's departure departure now? And I'm sorry for this flurry of questions. Well, it's absolutely okay, George. You are, of course, independent, as your name suggests. And so you do things in a very maverick way. Um, I mean, look, retailers are feeling the squeeze. They're worried. The biggest retailers don't think they're going to go out of business, but it's not a good time. AIBs are worried and smaller retailers are very, very worried. And some of the distributors behind the scenes, I've been told, have already gone out of business. So, yeah, this is affecting people, a lot of people, and it is bad for them. I know we cheer, some, I don't, but some people cheer for like these companies feeling pain right now because it sucked during the shortages, but not all of them were to blame for it. And a lot of people are losing jobs right now. Yeah, I mean... I, I don't know, rooting for a company going out of business. It's like, yeah, a, a lot of people are going to be affected by it. If you, whether you like the company or some of their practices they were doing a couple years ago or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, but all right. We've discussed this every goddamn broken silicon for months. Any other thoughts on the 7640 60 Ti? Uh, nope. I guess we'll talk about it for another 30 minutes next episode. Probably. For the first half of this year, have you felt like a dog chasing its tail as you scour CD websites and eBay to find any place you can get reasonably priced Microsoft products? Well, you don't need to do that anymore. Just go to cdkeyoffer.com, the best place to get Microsoft operating systems, office products, select games, and even some gaming hardware peripherals for reasonable prices and you know they're always doing special promotions right now in fact they are doing their mid-year sales event that you're not gonna want to miss so whether you're looking for steam ea uplay or playstation keys or of course microsoft products or gaming peripherals support moore's law is dead by using the offer code broken silicon for 25 percent off all microsoft products and die shrink for three percent off everything else on the website support moore's law is dead by supporting one of our best long-term sponsors cdkeyoffer.com today all right let us move on then to story number four nvidia hypes ai and memes throughout their 2023 computex keynote so i'm not going to spend too much time on this but i guess we do have to talk about it because there were a few notables NVIDIA talked about just about nothing but AI at their Computex keynote in Taipei this year. The notables that I have to bring up include Jensen kept saying, the more you buy, the more you save over and over. Classic Jensen. Two, Jensen awkwardly held up a 4070 laptop and a 4060 Ti and said, these are the same graphics cards. 
uh, it's stronger than the highest end PlayStation. First of all, it isn't. Second of all, I think that's such a weird way to say it. Highest end PlayStation. It's a three year old four hundred dollar console, whatever that means. We did it, gamers. And he's just openly saying that their laptop chips a forty sixty Ti, not a forty seventy. He's advertising that their forty sixty Ti for four hundred is a little stronger than their the entire console. I guess is what he's trying to insinuate. That's four hundred dollars. I don't know. We're, right, even if it is the same performance, the entire console is the price of this freaking graphics yeah, card. I, I, no one's buying. Weird, uh, weird flex, Jensen. So yeah, I don't know. It was a pretty weird conference overall. But the third thing that is truly news, I think, when we're not just joking around here, is Jensen said Hopper Next is going into production August 2024. Um, I've heard some people dispute what Node it uses. Three nanometer. I'm not going to say what documents I have. Not ready to leak them yet. Yeah, it's it's a big three nanometer thing. That's what it is. And I believe it it kind of looks like Blackwell is maybe for both. But I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if they're doing two different architectures moving forward with how much money they're making on AI. It's it's hard for me to say. Um but, but you know, remember A one hundred was practically not Ampere anyway. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, basically. They can call Blackwell. It's not really the same as the gaming iteration of it. Well, I mean, uh, to <laughs> dovetail this with uh, their earnings, uh, yeah, they're talking about AI a lot. Surprise. <laughs> right, which, um, you know, NVIDIA's earnings were before the press conference, which obviously they would have planned the pe- press conference before, but they would have known what their earnings were going to be a couple weeks before they announced mm-hmm. them, or at least a week before. And so it's no doubt that when they looked and they said, all of our money is coming from AI right now, that's all we're going to talk about at the keynote. Uh, besides holding up this $400 weaker than a PS5 that we're selling as a 4070 and laptop. Yep. <laughs> good, uh, uh, g- good gamer outreach. But You know, I, I didn't make NVIDIA's earnings a story for us here because I talked about it to death with Adored TV in the last episode, which I recommend to everybody. But... Do you have any thoughts on what's going on with NVIDIA's earnings? I guess I'll ask that now, since it seems like we're already basically done with Computex. <laughs> um, I, I mean, not too much beyond, honestly, what you talked about in when what what video out of that the video you released a few days ago or something. So, yeah, y- you know, I, I I think everybody has similar thoughts. Their money doesn't come from gaming uh, at this point compared to AMD. Uh, they don't seem to they seem to be putting gaming on the back burner to an extent right now. Yeah, which I did see before we started recording. Jensen Wang apparently went out there to the press and was like, hey, 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 we still care about gamers a ton because um, a lot of YouTubers have been putting out videos like NVIDIA's done with gamers. Um, and Jensen's like, we insist we're not. But I, it's like, you know, Jensen, then launch the 4060 as a 4050 for 200 and drop the price of the rest of your lineup by 20%. But until <laughs> you do that, I don't believe you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all right. Let's not retread any ground that I thought was very well covered with Adored last week. And then move on to story number five. MetaQuest 3 announced confirming Moore's Law's Dead's leak from last year. On Thursday, Meta announced that the Quest 3 will have 128 gigabytes of storage, double the GPU performance of the Quest 2, so it's really just an iteration of the existing Quest architecture, is my understanding, uh, for the GPU. Uh, improved haptic controllers, pass-through cameras, a slimmer design, and a 499 MSRP. And you know what? That's exactly 
what this channel leaked last year. In fact, I've input from a source that's new for this video that I want to put on screen now that confirmed management seems to have gone with the combination of the cheaper model and the more expensive model that they were projecting with margin that they were projecting to go with a year ago. And so, yeah, I think that this thing has 20 to 30% margins and, and the PSVR two has an MSRP of 550, right? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, look, the, M the PS5 doesn't have eight gigabytes of RAM, doesn't have storage, doesn't have Wi-Fi, doesn't have a lot of this stuff. It screens nicer, yes, but that has like 20 bucks. There's no way around it. I think the MetaQuest 2 has 20 to 30% margins, which is actually kind of about typical for a company. And the PSVR 2, and so many people got mad in the comments last year when I said this. Guys, it's pr it has... 40 to 50% margins. And I've actually heard it's underselling expectations. I really don't know why Sony I mean, went with that price. It should probably be like $400 or something. 450 maybe. Like, I think 400 can, would have been a, sl a slick price to go with the console. Yeah, if they can do $500 for the MetaQuest 2, there's just objectively m more shit in the... the, the I mean, not MetaQuest 2, MetaQuest 3. Uh, there's just more stuff in it, like... They Sony has to be making a killing on every model they're selling. Yeah. So I'm not sure how much more than this I have to say. I mean, we've known about it for a very long time at this channel. You know, we leaked it. There was disputed. Now we know it's true. I guess the final thing I would ask is, so it has more storage, I guess. It has more GPU performance, but not a ton more. It definitely is a nicer setup. How successful do you think this is going to be? Because Quest 2 basically took the market for a couple of years. Uh, I mean, I still think it, it, it could do well, I, but yeah, I really don't know. I, the Quest 2 was good because it was a relatively cheap option to get into it, into VR, because it, it launched at $300, correct? Uh, yeah, I believe so. If it so, didn't, it was $300 for, I think, most of its life. So I, I think that's just good because you have a pretty cheap option of getting into VR. Now, I think that's still a lot cheaper than most of your options you have available. So I'm sure there will be some of that. But $500 is a way bigger purchase than $300. And I don't know. I could see some people buying a Quest 2 a little bit more on a whim than a Quest 3. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you think... Do you think Sony's going to have to drop the price on the PSVR 2? Well, sh I'll say it. I think so. Well, if nobody's buying it, then yeah. <laughs> you know, I at the end of the day, it can be used with PC. At the end of the day, this is the thing that's becoming a standard, both for Steam gaming and on-the-go gaming. I just, Sony, you got to drop that thing to 400 and you got, and frankly, I think it'd be good if you made it uh, able to be used on PC as soon as possible. If you did it then, mm -hmm. $100 cheaper than the competition, better screen, foveated rendering, it works on PC and with a cheaper console. I, I think that's a good move. But as it stands, I think Sony is frankly in, I think there's a chance they're just completely botching this, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I, I mean, all evidence suggests that they're botching the PSVR 2 right now. So, which yeah. I, they can still save it, but mm -hmm. they need to but, get they need But to get we moving. agree they need to do something. Yeah. Um, all right. So that is all the main stories for this early recorded episode, but we can now move on to the final wrap up. 
So this actually just broke. Ratchet and Clank ripped apart the game. So many argued, and I think me and you doubted whatever come to PC has been announced for PC. Now, what's interesting is if you look at the requirements, at first I was like, nah, there were a couple of websites that were just like SSD recommended 1300X for the CPU. I'm like, this, this can't be true. This was some stupid, web, some stupid websites out there right now are uh, speculating on some ridiculously low requirements for this, I think. As far as I know, though, on Steam still, there is no information on what the requirements will be to run this game. I think it may even run on a modified engine, so it might not even run the same way. Uh, it requires so far a 64-bit processor and operating system, Tom. That's a lot of information. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know how much I have to say about this, but I guess, what are your thoughts? Did you, cause you didn't think this would come to PC, did you? No, I mean, I guess if they, with larger RAM capacities that, the, uh, PCs have, maybe they'll be able to get it working with, uh, the inferior IO on PC. Mm -hmm. We'll see though, you know, I think there's no way around it. I, I will be surprised if it doesn't require a good NVMe drive to run higher settings. Let's keep in mind that all this streaming of asset stuff, it's all just data, higher resolution, more data, bigger textures, more data. The PlayStation 5 has a cutting edge SSD. So uh, I think you may be able to run this on a SATA SSD, but will it have to be at low settings in 1080p with hitching? I don't know. I think this is going to be an interesting one to watch, but I guess we can't really say much until we see how it performs. But this will be interesting. This might be one of those games, too, that acts as an excellent benchmark, you know, for future games. Yeah, it could. I mean, I'm sure it will look great on PC. So, yeah, I, I bet it becomes another benchmarking game. Um, all right. I also saw over the past week, the 7900X hit insanely low pricing. So it actually, there was a shady seller on Amazon that had a ridiculous oh. price. <laughs> I think it was a shady seller. Uh, I certainly didn't order it myself to find out. Uh, but at the same time, there were some people selling some websites selling the 7900X for below 350. And on Micro Center, it was 350 with 32 gigabytes of DDR5 6000 for free. So this is just crazy what's going on here with Zen 4 pricing. It continues to just drop. And I don't know if it, I mean, think about it 350 for a Zen 4 12 core. All right. Now 32 gigs of RAM that are worth about 100 bucks. I mean, when that's being conservative, so now you're down to 250. And then, of course, we use the Moore's Law's Dead discounts that I promote every few videos. You can get this for 200. I don't know. That's yeah. kind of the best deal ever. No one should be buying really anything else. Like anyone who's like, I got an i5 for 180. Spend the extra money, get a 12 core. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, as it stands right now, it's at a frankly weird point where I, I don't know why the Sony 900X has dropped off a cliff so much in pricing. Although it looks like it was a bit of a, a fluke and it'll probably drift up closer to 400 again in most it, I think it found that it didn't need to be that cheap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, if this 7900X remains ridiculously cheap, buy a 7900X if you're building a new system. All right, we have preliminary CPU-Z support added for Zen 4 Threadripper. I would say this confirms it's in final stages of preparing for a launch, but still, you know, at least people I talk to, there's no proof this is coming out anytime soon. At least the plan as of six months ago was to have Zen 4 Threadripper come out um, at the beginning of 2024 or the end of 2023. 
And so I would just say this adding support to CPUZ, I guess there's a chance if they hit the green light now, they can, well, let me do this. If they hit the green light now, oh. they, they can launch Threadripper, <laughs> you know, but th they would have to do it now. Like, e I know it's just Epic guys, but they need to have the heat spreader on it. They need to, they, they need to make sure all OEMs are aware with motherboards for it. And they need to package this thing in a fancy box and ship it. So unless we see pictures of this thing in the next month, I, I'd say it's still an end of 2023 product, even if it's supported in CPUZ. Supporting a prototype in CPUZ is very different from having boxes and motherboards <laughs> ready, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, but I wanted to comment on that. Uh, a data, so let me make sure this is correct here in the way I'm interpreting this. Yeah, I, to me, it seems like a data basically just confirmed Raptor Lake R is 14th gen. Oh. They have a picture there of DDR5-6400, and it says supports Intel 14th gen CPU. I guess they could be talking about Meteor Lake, but that's what I'm seeing. I mean, yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, so there you go. There's a lot of arguments over that. And Adora put out a video kind of adding more variants of MI300, which of course was leaked a year ago by this channel, MI300X, 300A, 300C. And I guess it's yet to be seen what software AM, it, it drives AMD is making. I'm going to be honest, guys. Everyone I talk to connected to AI servers, AI research is like, we're not even considering AMD right now. Unless you're a hyperscaler like Amazon, where it's like, just give me the best hardware. We're going to write the software anyways. <laughs> um, and that is what's holding back AMD. But man, the the one takeaway I would take with Adored's leak of how many variants of MI300 there are, which isn't that surprising considering how many chiplets go into it, that AMD is going to make a big push here. And it just seems like NVIDIA is making all of this money now because it turns out launching six months before AMD was the perfect time to launch AI Yeah, with, with Hopper. Mm -hmm. You know, I bet AMD is really kicking themselves. They don't have something out that's better sooner. But I also bring this up because, you know, when we get back from vacation, Dan, there's going to be that AMD AI press show. And I think a lot of people doxing or you know kicking amd right now versus nvidia and ai let's see let's hear what their side of the argument is in a couple weeks for yeah, all we I, know I, they're I about mean, to announce a bunch of crazy stuff and they just wish mi300 was out sooner <laughs> yeah we, we need to wait and see a amd has to be developing something for ai that i mean it has to come out soon or else i think nvidia is just going to com completely have the ai market uh for whatever however long this bubble lasts Right, and I want to be clear when I say that there's like an AI bubble that Hopper is a part of. It's not to say that I think this bubble is going to pop in a year. You know, I think what we see is people want something that lets them do research now. Well, there's a bunch of hype now, and NVIDIA has the best software to get off the ground running. So that's why they're selling well. But, you know, I do wonder, like, long term, are people going to be like, okay, well, we know how to use it now. Do we really need a thousand Hopper chips to do what we're doing? Do, should we custom design something? Should we go to AMD? or Frankly, I think, you know, a third of the companies are going to go, no, we didn't, we don't really, we're not using this for anything. Some of them will, but a lot of them mm -hmm. won't, I think. Yeah. Uh, this always happens with new technologies, though. There's probably going to be a bit too much enthusiasm about AI, and a, there are going to be a bunch of projects that don't succeed because of that. Um, all right. Let us move on then to the final reader mails. Cole Addict writes in and asks questions for a Tom and Dan. How excited are you guys for the upcoming Spider-Man 2 game? And are there any games you are looking forward to 
from the same PlayStation showcase that just happened. Well, I mean, MGS3 remake, you know. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the big thing from that I'm excited for. I, I think there's a couple game, cool games that might be good, like Helldivers 2, um, I don't know, whatever Bungie is working on next, they're reviving the series that they had before that's right. Halo came out. That's because it's be Bungie. I'm at least mildly excited, you know. Yeah, as far as Spider-Man 2 goes, I still need to play the first Spider-Man game and Miles Morales. <laughs> and arguably the second, actually. Yeah, I mean, I have them, um, and I liked, I played one for like four or five hours, and I don't remember what pulled me away. I, the game's good, I just have all these games in a huge backlog right now. I don't know when me and you are going to get to Returnal Co-op, Dan, good lord. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah, I don't know. I it, they look like great games, but frankly, almost no games are making me get them right away now. Not because I don't think they look great, but because this has been such a busy year for the channel. I just haven't really had time to play games that we weren't, you know, already been playing, like Deep Rock Galactic Battlefield, where we're hopping on with friends at night. Yeah. That's kind of what we play right now. So absolutely, though, Metal Gear Solid 3 Remake. Uh, that looks incredible. I, I, I'll be getting that. Probably. I'm hoping... I, I'm hoping... MGO is a thing with that too. I yeah, doubt if they, it. If they had a new MGO attached to that, we would buy it on release, no question. We loved MGO. Yeah, I, I'm not betting money that MGO is going to be a part of that, but it would be really cool if it was. <laughs> yeah, I guess besides that, I'd say a streaming that streaming PlayStation handhold looks kind of dumb to me. But <laughs> no yeah. offense to everyone here if you like it, but I think it makes sense as a way for Sony to test the waters if there's interest in a Sony handheld for cheap. So if they did it like at a hundred, it would make sense to me. But I mean, if if it's going to be, if it's 200, like a lot of people think it's the silliest thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Yeah. I I would guess it's going to be 200. So probably anyways, (laughs) Alex slaughter writes in and says, hi, Tom and Dan, this is the only source of leaks. I trust and follow anymore. It's plain to me that you prioritize trust with your audience and truthfulness with your information over hype to drive growth. However, I would think that there has to be a tension between being the first to leak something and knowing that the information you have is extra correct. How do you balance that tension and what helps you decide when it is the right time to leak something? Well, I mean, you know this all too well for our channel, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I'm honestly kicking myself about uh, the Navi 33 stuff and Navi, all of the RDNA 3 stuff because... There were multiple designs. I had some people closer to the project, some people farther away working on like drivers. And I think if I would have waited one more month, I would have had it all correct. And and it just annoys me, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because I would have. And that was in early 2022. And, you know, if you look at the things, you know, we just did a die shrink on Alder Lake where it was basically aces across the board. The reason I never thought anyone had close to the same info as me at Intel. They just didn't. And so I never felt pressured. And I think the channel's gotten big enough now that even if I feel pressured, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, and if you can only confirm a handful of things about a product, fine, confirm that. You know, and and I think that there is a real tension, Alex, but it's a tension that the bigger we get, the more supporters we get on Patreon, the less there's really any tension. Because... We know you guys are going to be there. We don't need to be first. We don't need every website to give us credit, you know, even like as they 
We've been talking about meter like being canceled for half a year. One person tweets it. Oh, it's a, ridiculous. <laughs> and, even, and half of these websites were saying we were lying last year. And now they're just because some anime picture tweets it. Now it's news. Don't get me started on how annoying that is. But it becomes less annoying every month that we grow in size. Right? Because oh, it's yeah. like, I can't hear you over all the support we have. Yeah, I, I, I mean, at the end of the day, it becomes less of a big deal. And I don't know, sorting through all of the... <laughs> All of the uh, crap that exists in the leaker space right now eh, isn't worth it if you can just, you know, put out information that you know is solid. And I don't know, some of those Twitter leakers are obviously real, Uh, (laughs) but Mm. I don't doubt that some of them are just making random shit up to have a laugh. (laughs) Mm hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a tension, but the tension gets lighter and lighter as time goes on. And frankly, I mean, look how exhausted we are trying to get a podcast out in the middle of the night. There's so much we have to discuss that I don't think there really is. It's just we don't need to talk about something because we always have something else to talk about now, too. And it's really not that much tension anymore. There's always something, though, where I'm like, uh, I think someone else may be able to leak this before me, and obviously I'll get more clicks if I'm the first to do it. But it, it, it's not that it's not really that much of attention anymore compared to what it used to be, is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, and that's gonna do it for uh, this video, Dan. That's it. That's yeah. all we got. Um, and you know, it's a little shorter than usual, people, but came out earlier than usual as well. There'll be another episode coming out with a guest. We'll see if I have time to do another. I have, a, I have an interesting script that's half done. I, I hope I can get it out um, before and bank it before we go on vacation. But if not, you know, there's going to be endless content coming a week after this as well. And May was the most successful, uh, it's at least in terms of views and watch time and even a little bit in subscribers. You know, we're almost 162,000 as of this writing. Maybe we'll be there by the time this comes out. Uh, it's been really good time. And so I think we could use this break after really grinding it for a month here. (laughs) Yeah. All right. But I'm clearly starting to ramble. So I want to thank you, Dan, for coming on with me again here. I want to thank everybody for listening and watching. And remember, subscribe to Moore's Laws Dead on YouTube. Some of you, Dan, subscribe you. I think like over half of our watchers and listeners aren't subscribed. Make sure that you're subscribed. It helps the metrics a lot. And ring the bell button, support us on Patreon. You can get this episode if you're not on Patreon early and ad free. You get like hour long die shrink videos with leaks and looking back at prior stuff and answering questions like, do you like this content? There's more for you for just $2 a month and you can ask us questions and there's a bunch of other stuff as well. So all of that's there. You have the extra money, but uh, otherwise, uh, goodbye, everybody. Thanks for watching. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law is Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, it's not just me. Moore's Law is Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, renders being done by the industrial designer Jean-Philippe Clermont, and special assistance is also provided by Carmen Cry and Carrie Nosugad as well. Find all of our information at www.moreslawisdead.com on the about slash support page 
page in the event you do want to hire me for consulting work, hire Gerard for audio work, hire Jean-Philippe for industrial design work, or you're interested in working with Carbon Cry or Kerry No Sugata as well. You can also find our long-term sponsors on that page if you want to show them some love for putting food on our tables. Or you can also mail us some love. You can send letters or hardware donations to the following address. Moore's Law is Dead, P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. Although, to be honest, the best way to show Moore's Law is Dead some love is to support us on Patreon. Patrons are what makes Moore's Law is Dead content truly possible. Every month and really every day, depending on who you're talking about, me, Gerard, Dan, and John philippe are working tirelessly to provide a steady stream of content that we could not keep doing unless we knew the work was possible without being reliant on sponsors dictating every little thing we put out. Don't get us wrong. We love our sponsors, but we love directly working for you, our fans, much more. If you have any extra money, even a couple free dollars a month, consider supporting us directly on Patreon. Those couple of monthly dollars will get you access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to ask guests questions, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord full of like-minded people who I am sure would love to meet you. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to early, ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the ability to ask questions in all Broken Silicon episodes and loose ends live streams ahead of the recording, and the entire back catalog of Moore's Law Z podcasts, in addition to having thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts depending on the tier with other perks available as well. And hey... If you cannot afford to support us directly every month, please do share Moore's Law is Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family and on social media and websites like Reddit. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app of choice. All of this does really help us so much. But like I said, this podcast would not be possible without it, the patrons directly providing predictable and reliable support every month. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher supported levels. Brad Medlin, Drita Foles, Zijitz, Daniel D, Aaron Close, Jan Runner, Daniel Hyde, Brian Riggleman, Sam Miller, MJB1, Deke, GZ Ziggy, SNES Chalmers, Jim Ferriera, Andrew S, Falcom Alev, General Trips, Jensen Wang, Nathan Mose, Eric Jackson, Sarcastro, Evan Dingle, Greg Gronchek, Chris Rich, Nicholas Buckner, Benjamin Cannon, Jonathan, Jesse Jeskowiak, 3DS Play 08, Hal Puma, Blake, Hardforum.com, Franco Frendrique, Shredbird, Dr. Forbin, Jake Dude 23, Jake Martin, Zlicky, Ricky Tankers, Ray Butler, Stephen Hart, Meat and Pork, Stu, Tim Robb, Ian Clifford, Travis Gooding, Nanian, Sammy Malas, Deepest Learners, Mad, Zutsu Taylor, Stephen Coates, Michael McGee, Greg, Patrick Gross, Stefan, Jordan Simkovic, Amiable Chief, Aaron, Tommy, Mark Mitchell, Ian Leaked, Aishad, Mark Raidmaker, The Boss Haas, James Anderson, Cole Attic, Judson N, Cameron, Wesley Sager, Henry Zhang, Michelle Pell, D31337 Antics, Roger Davies, Cameron, Hexapuma, Chrysantine, Meyer Tech Rants, Reginald Ari, Teak Autumn, Jackson Miller, Frank Zielinski, Neith Razink, The Eternal Dreamers, JSMMH, Gaiman Since Reagan, Jeff Settler, AWS Danny, Loophole 35, Windstar, James I. Raider, Corey Leonard, Little Jeremy Shea, Milton, Pulse Media, Dave Schultz, Mac Daffy, Stephen Dick, Chuck Glidden, Brett Jones, Austin Haggerty, Justin Bustle, I-7-11-700K, Joe Foot, Hardland, Slushboss C2, Jansen Angima, Joseph Kelly, Samuel Park, Keith Morris, Him Sagung, Tails 2299, Stefan Santiago, John, Siphos, Earth Toros, The Forbidden Juice, Venti, CZ, Kiko Sato, 
Toka, RB Racer, Sven, there, Jansen, AAC, Clint, Sundin, Ben, Michael Cozy, Dr. J, Matt, Alex Vega, Freedy, John Swin, Rodent BC, Joey Strong, Brian Wright, Tim 1K, Joe LaMartina, Kikum, Elber Gunn, Solarized 80, Christopher Ricks, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music. <laughs>